This episode is sponsored by Fracht. Fracht means freight in German. Founded in 1955 in Basel, Switzerland as a freight forwarder, the company has grown and evolved to become a global logistics provider for many industries. Specifically for oil and gas, the company manages the complex movement of large industrial equipment used in our offshore production platforms, all the way to MRO, rope soap and dope, and chemicals. For more information, find them at www.frochtgroup.com. Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, the Chief Sustainability Officer for Frac, a global logistics provider with an unflinching commitment to sustainability and ESG, and where we are collaborating with our customers and our suppliers to deliver innovative, sustainable supply chain solutions. Lisa Janukas of the Children's Environmental Literacy Foundation. Did I get that right? You did. You Wonderful. did. You can go by self for self. sure. <laughs> yes. We are, but I like to say it out because people, when you say self, Agreed. right? Yes. You get all those jokes like, what is that? <laughs> so, Lisa Janukas, we are here at the Student Symposium, yes. which you talked to me about several weeks ago when you came on the yes, ESG Energize podcast. Tell my audience, remind my audience, what is this symposium and why? Why is this so exciting? Yes, and thank you for this opportunity. Uh, this is a culminating event. So basically, we work with the teachers in the summertime to construct the projects that you're about to see here today. The teachers took three days to a week out of their summer to really think about what do civic science projects look like. And then throughout the academic year, we worked with the teachers to help with the implementation, the deployment, um, providing resources, air quality monitors, whatever they needed, we basically try to find it. And this is the result. This is the culminating event. So you're going to see a variety of different projects. Um, sometimes the teachers did create them in the summer, and then the students got a hold of the projects and they said, no, we're going in a different direction. So although I know what the projects were in the summer, I am excited to see how they have developed thus far. So you're not only educating these young people, but we are empowering them yes. as well. Yes, and then that's part of the reason why it's important to have it in an industry building, in a corporate setting, is because the students really need this real world example this opportunity to do public speaking, but also to defend their research, to share their data, and to field questions that might make them feel a little uncomfortable, because this is a safe space to fail. So maybe we should give a shout out to EDP Renewables yes. that is hosting this event yes. in this beautiful setting. And who else is here with us today? Ah, we have um, Burns McDonald here that we're uh, representing. They're here to ask some questions. Um, we also have, uh, as a representative, we have um, a Hydroponics Moonflower Farms is here as well. And um, we have Harris County Precinct 3. So we have a nice array of versatile industry professionals because this is important for the kids to see that when we're doing civic engagement, we're thinking about these projects, it's not just one industry, it's multifaceted. And I think we have one of the world's largest oil field services companies represented here today as well, right? Yes, yes. And, and we've got some sponsorships from NG and, and from others. So the kids get to get questions from 
industry professionals. Yes, ma'am. And this just elevates the conversation. It does. It's not, we love our moms and dads coming and seeing our projects, but they are the softest critics, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> they want us to do well. So we need to put the kids in, and also it's important for them to see what, what companies are investing in them. Yeah. These are the companies that they could be working for in the future. So why don't we walk over and love start it. to talk to let's some do of the it. kids. And let's see, where do we want to start? Everybody seems to be engaged. We can, um, we can start anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you want to do Hungry for Science? Let's, Let's go. Do hungry for Science first. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Thank you so much for being here and for putting this together. I'm, I, this is Delphina. She would like to interview you. Nice to meet you. Is Can, this a team effort here? Oh, so wonderful. how would you like to do that? So I am here talking to Jimena Rodriguez. And who else do you have here with you, Jimena? I um, do you want to say it? <laughs> um, Ishana Martinez. Hannah Robinson. And your project, I see, is Hungry for Science. Yes. Tell us, tell my audience of environmental, social, and governance enthusiasts, what is this project all about? So this project is how schools, especially in urban areas, can address food insecurity as well as urbanization. So I'm going to go ahead and give the mic to Hannah, and just so she can talk about our data. So getting into our data, we can see that beef has the highest emissions for land use, water withdrawals and scarcity, and infiltration rates per kilogram produced. Alternatively, chicken has a significantly less impact on the environment and is considered a leaner meat. But if we chose to switch to produce, fruits and vegetables are notably lower in all aforementioned aspects listed as well. This information demonstrates the importance of plant-based diet in addressing environmental impacts of agriculture. So here's my question for you guys. What? Why did you choose this topic? Why did you choose this project? What was the, the impetus behind it? Oh, oh, so when we looked at, at it from a global standpoint, the United States is leading for out-of-house consumption. We have a lot of food waste, and we saw that need in our community, especially in Channel View, we have a lot of food insecurity and a lot of environmental issues. So we looked into Harvest the Hungry, so we actually started volunteering with an organization that that's their entire goal is to limit food waste and food insecurity within communities. So we thought how can we implement that into our own high school. So we started looking into it and most of our students, about 86%, are approved for free or reduced lunch. So there's an obvious need for fresh produce uh, within our community. The more we were looking into it, we started looking at our campus and saw that there's a lot of land that isn't being used. So we have old soccer fields, we have grass patches that are behind student parking lots or the teacher's parking lot right next to our cafeteria. So we thought that that was a perfect place that we could put a compost bin to limit our food waste uh, during lunches. So that tackles kind of urbanization and the impact that food waste has on our environment. But how does that tackle food insecurity? Well, we decided that we would want to have a community garden so that our students can not only learn about harvesting, but also take that fresh produce to their homes. So we thought that that was super important. We saw within our club, we saw that there was an interest in it because we had about 40 to 50 members coming out to every Harvest for the Hungry event. So we knew that students were interested in it. We knew that there is a change that needs to be made. So what is our plan? What is our vision? First, we want to educate our community on why it's important, not only the members of Interact, but our entire student body, and then get this approved by admin so that we can start working and implementing specific urban farming into our school, such as vertical farming, uh, drip irrigation, and kind of educating the community on how to compost, not only at school, but at home, in hopes of reducing our food waste 
not just within our school, but again, within uh, families, within our community. So what I love about this is that you've identified a problem, but you're giving people, you approached it in a very scientific manner, and you're not just talking about a problem, you're giving people ways to solve it and get involved with it that they can walk away and do it in their, their personal lives. Absolutely fantastic. What do you think is your biggest takeaway from this whole thing? Our biggest takeaway is that everybody has the ability to change and make a change and a positive impact. With composting, every single person can go home to their families and tell them, hey, we can get a garbage bin together, we can put some soil, some leaves, we start putting eggshells, banana peels in there. Immediately that'll uh, eliminate tons and tons of pounds that go into our landfills, back into our, our gardens. So that's my biggest takeaway. Any last words from you young ladies? Oh, I totally agree. Um, with this, like I know we can implement this at the house, the community, our school. It's something that could just snowball into a bigger movement that can really change, especially like in our community. Like I said, we have a lot of environmental problems with like industries around us, and it could help us with emissions and just air quality. It's, I think it's really big. What school district are you guys a part of? Chinaview ISD. Ah, so maybe across the ISD. Totally. You can spread the word. Yes. We're going to bring it up to admin. That's right. Yes. <laughs> okay. We're getting the word out there. We Any are. last words from you? Um, yes. I see this in our school every day. Oh. Thank you. Well. In our school in particular, I know that I know a lot of people aren't very aware of the issues that are prevalent in our community, specifically with the food insecurity, and I think that we can make a really big impact with this. Fantastic. Ladies, thank you so very much. Thank you. So now we are here with Jacqueline and Ashley from, what's your school? Lewis Middle School. Lewis Middle School. Ah, are we 6th, 7th, or 8th grade? 7th. Seventh. 7th seventh grade. And the title of this project is Testing the pH of Waters from Houston Mud Districts. Young ladies, would you please tell me about your project? Well, we grabbed four different waters from uh, Houston Mud District, and we wanted to test out each, um, like the if they're in with the, with the healthy levels after the boiling in Houston. And we found out that some of them were alkaline, and the others were acidic. And we found out our best and safest water. Ah, okay. And how long did this project take you guys to do? It took us like about a month or maybe a, a little bit more. Okay, so what do you think your, the action that needs to come out of the results of this project that showed you the different, the different waters and what's good and what's bad? What do we need to do with this information? Oh, we have to like compare it and see which uh, water is healthiest and if they're still healthy and safe to drink. Okay, and so what's our next steps? Our next steps are to contact like each mud district and see how they filter their water and then compare it and see what we could do about it to improve the filtering of each mud district. And is your teacher going to help you with that? I think he is. <laughs> is your teacher here with us today? Yes. He is? Where is he? He's right there. Come here, Michael. Yes, ma'am. 
What did I do? How proud are you of these young ladies? I'm very proud of them. I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of uh, my middle school students that they can think up of things just the same way as high school students can, and they are just as inquisitive as they are. They're sponges, so it's e to me it seems like it's easier for them to actually come up with ideas and do. All I have to do is just show them the little ins and outs of how to do the experiment and stuff like that. But I let, I let them do everything. Fantastic. So did you participate in the summer program that Lisa Junukas was telling me about? I have participated in all the summer programs with ah, Self. All of the summer yes, programs. So you are a fan, obviously. Yes, ma'am. And yes, ma how, how has that program really helped in your school? It's actually helped me better kind of like educate my students as far as civic science goes. I know that not everybody wants to be a scientist, but there are other things that you can do. And it doesn't just have to be science. I mean, we, it can be something having to do GIS, uh, something, you know, GPS, it can, anything else. It doesn't just have to be a particular science part, any, any STEM thing. What do you have to say to other teachers that are out there? I would uh, recommend SELF for them. Um, I would recommend it to try and show students a systematic way of how to come up with a problem and try to, and try to solve it in a systematic way also. I think that's the most important thing is to not just tell students about these topics, but give them some tools so that they can actually get their hands dirty and really get down to the science yes, of it all mm -hmm. and understand what it really all means and then, then what you can do about it. Yes, ma'am. That I agree. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Mm -hmm. Thank and you very much. Thank you for the wonderful support of our, our young people in, in the STEM area. Thank you very much, ma'am. And we are here now with... Cynthia. Cynthia. Cynthia, and the project that you have before us is what? Um, how climate change affects the air quality around us. Wonderful. So what was the driving question behind this project? It was how did... Um, yeah, how does climate change affect the air quality around us? Okay, and how did you actually test that question? Well, um, I started with taking um, notes on the places I would be testing first, and uh, I wanted to see how did outside and maybe in the school and in my house see the differences it would how different it would be and I found out that outside was it gave me a moderate result and as you can see these uh, results were the same mm. and what did you learn about let's say carbon dioxide I learned that it may accumulate in locations with poor ventilation. Okay. And did, once you did this research, once you studied this, did you prepare a report for your class, for your teacher? No, just no. Putting, the, putting the project together for us to yes. see and to learn about today. Yeah, but I wanted to also raise awareness in how um, it would be better for us to act, start caring about how testing the air quality or giving out um, how it would be better for us to 
see if climate change did um, improve how the air was. So how are our behaviors and our understanding of the air quality around us impacts climate change in general? Yes. yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so very much. It thank was you a pleasure too. to speak with you. You too. And here we are with Carla. Carla, Carla, tell us about your project. So, um, I decided to do water quality and center around a certain group of people, pregnant women. So, I tested some of the most common drinks that you could get, maybe at a vending machine or just at a store. And as you can see, we tested most of the toxic chemicals. We did research on what, how those chemicals affected pregnant women. So what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen in the audience, is she has tested specifically Red Bull, Pure Life Water, Dr. Pepper, and apple juice across lead, fluoride, sodium chloride, and zinc. So, as you can see, the lead in most of these is uh, it's really high, and then fluoride and then sodium chloride is also like super high. So these could like seriously affect affect you if you just drink them like every day, just a lot. Okay, and did we did we somehow see that there was some? Uh, negative, specific negative effects to pregnant women, like kidney failure yes, or anything like that? there was uh, kidney failure, there was effect to the babies, it could, couldn't, it oh. could, yes, it could affect it in being born too early or have certain deficiencies as oh. for the health. And you are with what school? Uh, Lewis Middle School. And that is within which ISD? Uh, Aldi. Fantastic. And your teacher, where's your teacher? Somewhere right here. He's oh, Michael. We we spoke to Michael already. Yeah, okay. Michael. Fantastic. This is this appears to be Michael's uh, pod of, of students. He has had a really wonderful influence on you, young ladies. We are now here talking to Chelsea Menard. Chelsea. Chelsea and Ashley. Ashley, tell us about your project. We made three different water filters, and we got the water source from from Montgomery County. Oh, so why did we go to Montgomery County when we are not in Montgomery County? Because um, our teacher helped us get that water. Okay, so Michael, we're gonna have to get you back in here. <laughs> Come here, Michael. Yes, ma'am, what I do now. What, why'd you go after Montgomery for the um, water? Actually, the water source came from uh, another teacher, Miss O'Hare. Oh. So she had access to that one. So that's why they, they went ahead and chose that one for their project. So now what you're showing us is that the teachers are collaborating with each other to elevate this conversation. Yes, ma'am. Wow. Okay. So, Chelsea, proceed with explaining this wonderful project. Okay. Um, we made uh, three of these filters um, different and with different materials. And what are those materials? I'm looking at. I have to. I have to explain to my audience because they're listening to this. They're not seeing it. Okay. Filter number one was made out of water, a water bottle, cotton, and a coffee filter and sand. Filter number two is made out of a two-liter Coke bottle, cotton, and a coffee filter. And filter number three is made out of sand, pebbles, charcoal, sand. 
cotton, two-liter Coke bottle, and rocks. Okay, so why do we have a difference in size of vessel? So why do we have a two-liter Coke bottle, but in the first one we had a, we used a water bottle? Is there a reason for the size? No. No, not really. It's just what was available, what you guys yeah. had on hand. <laughs> okay, so tell us, what did you find? Uh, we found out that filter number two cl um, cleared out all better than the other ones. And that was the one with cotton and a coffee filter, correct? Yeah, you're correct. Well, that's encouraging to know that coffee filters really do work well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was your biggest takeaway from this project? What do you mean? Like, what do you think you learned the most from it? What was the most eye-opening that you went, oh, wow, that's really cool? Um, that even if, like, you spend more time on some, they that doesn't mean it's going to work the best because we tried mostly on filter three and we thought that was the one that was going to actually work better, and it really didn't. Ah, okay, very interesting. Yeah. Any last words for my audience? Anything you want them to know or understand? Other than Mr. Ariata is cool? Ariata. Aratia. Aratia. Just because stores sell um, different types of water, that doesn't mean it's going to be clean, right? Because sometimes, ah. sometimes people think that it's going to be safe just because it's in a store. Fantastic. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you. And who do we have here? Jose Barrios. A little bit louder for me. Jose Barrios. Jose. Yes. Tell me, Jose, about your project. My project is if the air contaminates the water. My driving question is, can the air movement contaminate a water supply? That's a very good question. I don't know. Can it? Mm, no. Yes? No? I don't think so. No? No? Okay, what was your, how did you test this? So, I grabbed like a container, put clean water in the container, and then I went to a place where the wind was flowing. And the first day that I left it there, it was clean. The second day was clean, the third day was clean, but the fourth day, it has some particles of dirt that you can see. So, so I continued doing this for a week. My future thoughts is in my second phase, I would like to test the water weekly to see if the particles are contaminating my water supply. I will have to keep the same water level during my experience. In phase three of my work, I would like to try and monitor uh, rivers to see if it contains the contaminate change due to wind bearings. That's really a very scientific way of approaching this. Did your, did your teacher guide you a little bit on this? Yes. Yeah, he's pretty awesome, isn't he? Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so very much for explaining this to us. Ladies. Hello. We are here talking about AQI with scented hand sanitizer. And who do I, who am I talking to? Angie. Angie and? Juvia. Juvia. Ah. Tell us about your project. They're also part of our yeah, group. Oh, we have more members of the team. So introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Scarlett Lopez. Hi, my name is Kayleen Flores. I'm Montserrat Galvan. Okay, ladies, who's going to be our spokesperson and explain this project to me? What was your driving question? Um, 
It was what ingredients and hand sanitizer affect air quality in the classrooms? Ah. Yes. That I never would have thought to ask that question. That's fantastic. So actually, what made you think to ask that question? Um, this is a year two study. Uh, it's a continuing project. So we um, tested different hand sanitizers and we noticed that the fragrance hand sanitizer was um, was very, yeah, the most, yeah, the one that affected the air more, yeah. Okay, so how did you do that testing? Um, we used the flow that, it, that measures the air quality. And then we, well, we put them, we tested them in the classrooms. Okay. And we put, put a pump of hand sanitizer in each student. And then we tested the air quality before, while they were rubbing the hand sanitizer and after five minutes, 10 minutes. Did your classmates have fun doing this with you? Yeah, they're pretty excited. Okay, no, nobody was like, ew, I'm not putting that on. No. <laughs> yeah, some people were. <laughs> we're kind of used to that after the pandemic, right? Where we had to put sanitizer on constantly. <laughs> yes. So what was your biggest takeaway from this whole thing? What made you go, wow, I, that's kind of cool. Um, the, the fragrance hand sanitizers because most women use the scented hand sanitizer because they're like, oh my God, it smells so good. And then we, I mean, we smell it and it goes into our lungs. And it, yeah, and it, it can affect us really bad because we could get something and then we'll be like, oh, what caused it? And we would have never thought it was hand sanitizer. Yeah. Would you say that again? It could me? also cause cancer. Ah, okay. Well, that's kind of scary. It is. Yes. <laughs> so we have to be careful about what hand sanitizer we use. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful. Any other, anything else you guys want to add? Is that good? Yes. That's well, uh, I learned something today. Thank you so very much. <laughs> this is the ESG Energize podcast. So we are in every country around the world. And your name is? Rahul. And your, your non-for-profit company that you started is? Uh, my non-profit is Farm to Try. And so we're working on expanding hydroponic infrastructure to schools nationwide. And so hydroponics is a method of cultivating plants without the use of soil. And so my nonprofit is seeking on expanding this infrastructure to schools across the nation and even internationally to curb two problems, one being the poor child nutrition that is served in schools because school lunches often lack essential vitamins and minerals, which can lead to a cognitive, hindering students' cognitive ability and their physical growth. Secondly, it can lead to a rampant obesity problem. And so by supplementing school lunches with the fresh produce from hydroponic systems, I hope to combat this problem and uh, really empower students nationwide to learn more about sustainable agricultural practices and healthy nutrition practices. And so, so far in my school, I have one hydroponic. And what school garden, is that? Shadow Creek High School in Alvin High State. So in my high school, I have one hydroponic garden which cost $2,200, which I got funded through Earthforce and support like grant. And here we grow leafy greens, tomatoes, mint, basil, lettuces, and a multitude of leafy greens, which we're using to supplement our school lunches. But additionally, I have small hydroponic grow kits, which is a handheld hydroponic interactive lab that schools and educators can use to introduce students to hydroponics. And this is what I'm expanding to schools nationwide to really spark that need and want for change. And so, so far, I've expanded to 18 schools, 
which has affected 18,000 students. And I did this by hosting the first ever hydroponic symposium in my high school, where I had the city, my city, Pearland mayor come in and speakers from NASA, and I had 18 educators, and we, I raised awareness about hydroponics and gave away these free grow kits. And uh, this was all funded through another grant that I earned, at Chipotle and Earth Force. And recently I won a $3,000 grant by Civics Unplugged to expand hydroponic grow kits to schools across the nation. And so right now I'm working with schools in New York and in California and across HISD, but I'm hoping to expand to schools in Missouri and even internationally to schools in Ghana. Wow. And uh, really with the hope of empowering students across the world to adopt these healthy, nutritional, and sustainable agricultural practices. Have you got a website set up for your, yes, your uh, company? farmtotray.com, and it's F-A-R-M, and the number two, and then tray.com. What we're gonna do is we're gonna put that in the show notes. Okay. And Raul, this is a fantastic way for us to shut out this episode of ESG Energize. Yeah. So incredibly impressed with the energy that you have put into it and really making an important difference. Thank you so much. Thank you. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.